All right. Morning. It's me again. <laughs> can open to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. <clears throat> now, I'm sure you all know this church's name is called Bible Baptist Church. So why is this called Bible Baptist Church? Why Bible? Because we truly believe that God's revelation to man is found in this book. And therefore, it is foundational to everything else in life. This is what the Creator God, the God of this universe, the Almighty Righteous God who loves us, gave to us for us to live our lives by. So it is foundational. And that is why we respect it, teach it, and study it. Yet somehow, many of us still have such incorrect understanding of things in Scripture. I'm not talking about people who just got saved. I'm talking about some of us who have been saved for a while, who don't know the Bible as we should. Now, how does this, how does this happen? How you get saved, you get to know Christ, the almighty God who saved you, and you don't know what he says. First thing I think that's important is that poor attendance. Poor attendance to things of church. Now, I have no intention to guilt trip anyone about attendance, all right? I want God to do the conviction. But the thing is, poor attendance, whether we like it or not, has an effect on what we know from Scripture. But I think a bigger reason is a closed Bible at home. A bigger reason for why people don't know what God says about certain things is a closed Bible at home. We're going to do some maths. Okay? I thought I'd do this because I know people are writing exams. And so... I thought, you know, it's a good idea at church to keep your math sharp. So, if you come to every church service, that is three hours on a Sunday, right? Three hours. If you are awake on average for 16 hours a day, okay, because let's say you sleep eight hours. If you're a student, you probably sleep a lot less. But... Well, maybe more, just at different times, I don't know. (laughs) But 16 hours, right? Now, times seven days in a week, that is 112 hours. Okay, So three out of 112 hours you spend, if you have a closed Bible at home, you spend with an open Bible in front of you. That is 2.5%. 2% of your time is spent with an open Bible. So, but that's, that's not taking your sleep into consideration, right? So that's very little time that you spend with an open Bible. Now, if someone, let's say someone, says, okay, I'm going to spend 1.5 hours a day, hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening, whatever, and this, this 1.5 hours times 6, because it's excluding Sunday, that's 9 hours additional nine. So that's 12 hours in a week. That is, changes that to more than 10%. Okay? But it also 
changes the ratio between this person three hours and this person 12 hours to this one is 25% of the exposure than the other, that the other people get, right? So some people get 25% of exposure to Scripture, whereas compared to the 100% that the other people get. So why do you think certain people know less? Why do you think there is a problem about understanding what God has said? If this is the case, you can understand why people have an incorrect standing, an incorrect understanding of Scripture. You're open in Hosea, Hosea chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Do you see that God takes knowledge, understanding his word, they say they have rejected thy law. In Jeremiah 5, verse 4, it says, Therefore I said, Surely these are poor. They are foolish. For they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. These are poor. These are foolish. In Hosea it says they are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Understanding, knowing Scripture is something that has unfortunately decreased in our society. And that's, why, that's why today I would like to speak to you about the dangers of a closed Bible but an open heart. The dangers of a closed Bible but an open heart. Let's pray. Lord, we need you this morning. Um, we ask, Father, that you would come speak to our, our hearts, Lord. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to know you better. And Father, we want to glorify you through our lives. But Lord, we can't do that effectively if we don't know how to glorify you, if we don't know what glorifies you. And so Lord, we pray that you would please come and show us. Show us where we can change. Show us where we can improve. Help us to love your word and open your word and learn more from it that we may grow thereby. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when I speak of a closed Bible, I refer to a lack of biblical knowledge. A lack, a lack of biblical truth. And when I refer to an open heart, I refer to this acceptance of all things that sound nice. An acceptance of all things that sound Christian-y, if that's a word. All things that sound Christian-y, regardless of its truth. Here are a few examples of things that are Christian-y, things that are nice. Follow your heart. No. No. Don't. Your heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. All right? That's what the Bible says. Or another one that sounds Christian and nice is don't judge. All right? Whereas Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. Right? Or judge yourself lest you be judged. Okay? There is judgment. Or God's love is unconditional. This one is a, this one's close. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So there is an unconditional aspect to it, but does that love save you? Does the fact that God sent his son save you? No. God 
commends his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love that saves is shown on the cross and that needs to be the love that you know for you to be saved. And so when we say God's love is, I say God's love is not unconditional. His general love is unconditional, but the saving love is very conditional. It's based on Jesus Christ. Do you have Christ or don't you have Christ? Another phrase is pray the sinner's prayer and you shall be saved. That's also not biblical, right? Saying a prayer is not going to save anyone. So, these are all nice, but they're all false or half-truths. And A.W. Tozer said this, The Word of God, well understood and obeyed, is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Listen to this. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Elizabeth Elliot said, The Word of God I think of as a straight edge, which shows up our own crookedness. We can't really tell how crooked our thinking is until we line it up with the straight edge of Scripture. If you don't know Scripture... How do you know whether something that you believe, something that you're following, something that's happening to you is right or wrong? How do you judge whether what you are doing is pleasing to God or not? If you don't read, if you don't have an open Bible to know what God says about these things. With that in mind, as we go through these dangers, um, which shows up uh, our, our crookedness, as we go through these dangers of a closed Bible, I want you to think, about have I maybe closed or maybe never opened my Bible but opened my heart to cultural Christianity. Things that are nice but things that are false. Open to Romans chapter 10 and also Psalm 119. Romans chapter 10 and Psalm 119 and we'll look at the first danger of a closed Bible but an open heart. Romans chapter 10. And Psalm 119. So in Psalm 119, verse 104, we read it this morning before we started. Psalm 119, verse 104. It says, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. The first thing that will happen if you close your Bible is you will open yourself to falseness. You will open yourself to falseness. Have a look at um, verse 128 in Psalm 119. 128. It says, Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Closing God's precepts, not esteeming them to be right, you are opening yourself to every false way. You will believe what the Bible, or what the world just tells you. Close the precepts, open the false way. Have a look at Romans chapter 10. 
So the first thing I want to speak about when it comes to falseness is false conversions. If you close your Bible, you don't know Scripture, it'll lead to false conversions. Romans chapter 10 and verse 3 says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. It says they they were ignorant of God's righteousness. How are you in a state of ignorance of God's righteousness? You don't know who He is. You haven't opened your Bible and studied the nature of God. That's how you're ignorant of God's righteousness. Then it it says, going about to establish their own righteousness. If you don't know God's righteousness, if you don't know who God is, what are you going to do? You're going to do whatever you think is right. right? Your own righteousness. And then it says that they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Christ, or righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So false conversions. Something like, say this prayer, or I had this or this experience at a youth camp. Like an experience or a prayer that doesn't change your life, right? It can if it is right, if it's true repentance, if it's a true conversion, of course it can. But pointing back to a prayer or a, con- or a church experience you had doesn't save you, right? No real understanding of God's righteousness. They had an experience, but no real understanding of God's righteousness. And here as it says in verse 4, they have no submission to Christ as Lord. Have a look, you're in Romans 10. Have a look at Romans 10 verse 9. No submission to Christ as Lord. Romans 10 verse 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus. What, did I miss a word? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, Jesus. Here it says, in verse 4, um, in verse 3, it says, have not submitted themselves. If Christ is your Lord, you have submitted under Him as authority. Okay? And so Christ needs to be Lord of your life. That doesn't happen like that. But it's immediately, it's a, it's a change from what I once held to as Lord, my sin, being enslaved to my sin, I start turning, I turn my back and then I start following Christ. Christ now is Lord. Do I slip up? Yes, I slip up. But do I feel bad? Do I repent? Do I want to be in fellowship with God? Yes. I don't live in sin because I want to please the Lord and I want to have fellowship with Him. Christ is Lord. I want to please my Lord. So, it sounds something like this. Righteous God, I am a wretched sinner in need of grace. I turn from this life of sin and grab onto you as my new Lord. If you think of the parable of the sower in Luke 8, there are four types of ground. And there's a message being sown, right? Seed is being sown on these various grounds. The first ground, it falls on the wayside, the birds snatch it up. Jesus says that Satan's stealing the seed as soon as it falls. Second ground, you have stony ground, right? And it says there that no seed, it, it, it can't, what's the word, Kim, Sprout. Germinate. I don't know, sprout sounds cool. 
It can't sprout because it can't get into the soil, right? So you have the same message but different soils. But only the last one bears fruit. Only the last one bears fruit. And so it's not the message, but there is definitely a response to the message. And many people have a positive initial response, like the stony ground, like the thorny bushes and thistles, positive initial reactions, but no fruit. And so be careful of false conversions. That's the first falseness I want to talk to you about. The second falseness that will result from a closed Bible and open heart is false conviction. False conviction. Now, under false conviction, I actually want to speak about two things. The first thing is feeling bad about something you shouldn't feel bad about. The other thing is not feeling bad at all. Okay? So both of those are false. Okay? False conviction. So, not feeling bad about well, false, the, the false conviction. Something like God is probably upset with me. That's why things are going wrong in my life. That's false. Okay? God is not there and like you do something wrong and then I, I jump in to punish you. That's not God. All right? And so not knowing what God says about why things happen in life as a general rule, not knowing that is going to make you wonder. Or something like, thou shalt not listen to non-Christian music or have a TV. That's false conviction. Can you use those things to be completely, completely against what God's will? Of course you can. But can you use it for God's glory? Of course you can. Right? So be, be vigilant, be aware, be wise about what you listen to and what you watch. But just because you own a TV or know a non-Christian song doesn't make you a heathen. Okay? But if your TV is only used for sinful things, and if the music you listen to is blatantly against God and has nothing good in it, why listen to it? Why would you listen to something that draws your attention away from God or look at something that draws away from God? So don't feel convicted about well, having a TV or something like that. But, but th- this false conviction, do you understand? There's liberty in Christ, but that liberty is not to be used to an occasion for sin. So, closed Bibles will lead to statements like these. It'll lead to false conviction. Let God through His Word convict you, not man-made rules. But for this to happen, if you want God to convict you, and not man-made rules, because you know a lot of people say, I'm not going to let a man tell me what's wrong and what's right. Okay. Let God convict you. Guess what? You need to open your Bible. <laughs> You can't say, I'll let God convict me and then never open your Bible, never look into that perfect law of liberty. You can't do that. So, if I agree, let God convict you. Don't let a man's words convict you. But for that to happen, you need to spend time in His Word. It needs to be open. The next thing that I said is on this false conviction is a lack of conviction. Have a look at John, 1 John. 1 John 1. 1 John 1. A lack of conviction. This sounds something like, I'm good with God. God and I are fine. You know, making statements like that. That's a lack of conviction, right? 1 John 1 verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This chapter is talking about your fellowship 
with God. It's speaking about you walking in the light as he is in the light. It's talking about fellowship, right? And here it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So, there has to be something. Because if there's nothing God can do in your life, there's nothing he can work on, then you're essentially God. You're essentially as good as he is, right? None of us are they nearly there. In 1 Corinthians 8 verse 2 it says, And if a man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. <laughs> How's that? Think you know something? Don't know anything. <laughs> Alright, in 1 Corinthians 10 12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Take heed lest you fall. False conviction. What we should rather do is what Psalm 139 verse 23 says. It says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. That's where you start. And if he shows something to you, have a look at Psalm 51. And if you've asked him to search you, and to show you if there is any wicked way in you, and he shows you, then this is the response you should have. You will hear the conviction in David's words here. Psalm 51, verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned and have done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. That is conviction. That is repentance. That is to say, God, fellowship with you is more important than anything and I want to be right with you. Blot out my transgressions. Create in me a new heart, a new and right spirit in me. So, not an open Bible will lead to a lack of conviction and false conviction. I mentioned to you in James chapter 1, verse 23, James speaks there about God's law being as a mirror. And we look in that mirror, we behold ourselves, and then we turn from it and go on the way we lived. Right? How can you look into God's word and not change? Right? But if you don't look in that mirror, if imagine, imagine you had no mirrors in your house and you didn't have a phone to take selfies. Okay? You wouldn't be able to see in what state you're in. Okay? And that's what happens if you don't open God's word. You won't see in what spiritual state you are. A lack of conviction. Living almost in sin just because you don't see God's righteousness. And so a lack of conviction will definitely come from a closed Bible. And then the last falsehood. So the first one is false conversion. Second one is false conviction. And the last one is false worship. Have a look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. False worship. You can't worship God if you don't know what worshiping God means. 
That sounds simple enough, right? You can't worship God if you don't know what worshiping God means. Acts chapter 17, verse 23 says, Paul speaking, he says, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. Ignorantly worship the unknown God. Perhaps God, to a large extent, is unknown to you. And you ignorantly worship Him. You know, ignorance will lead you to do a lot of stupid things, right? Isn't that kind of a point of ignorance, right? So you don't want to ignorantly worship God. You need to know how to worship Him. A.W. Tozer said the following about worship. The church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted it for one so low, so ignoble, as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshipping men. Men, people don't worship God because the church has made God to be something so low, not the lofty concept that he used to have. And you know, I think that's why a lot of people don't fear him. And that's why a lot of people from the world look and say, there's nothing that different, there's nothing that amazing about it. Because we are proclaiming a God that is not as great as it should be proclaimed. That lofty, um, that lofty view of God. He also says, worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than Christ within us. Worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than Christ within us. If you've lost the view of the object, or you, they've lost the view of the object of their worship. Right? If we look more like the culture in our worship, if our worship just looks like a slightly better moral life, then you've lost the object of worship. Because God is, should be that object. True worship is, 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 is focused on its object. And that object is the holy, righteous, magnificent, almighty God. That is who the object is of our worship. It's not just passionate zeal. It's not just this coming together and being happy and shouting. And that, that, that is not worship, right? That is not worship in its true sense. Imagine if I wanted to spoil my wife. And so we don't get to spend a lot of time together. And so I decide I'm going to spoil her. So I arrange this massive kair, this massive party, right? And I get live artists and I get the best food and just entertainment. And I, get, I, I arrange this massive thing. But I never stop to ask her, what would she like for me to do with the time we have together? I never stop to listen and to hear what would please her, right? Then I have this massive party, but I had a lot of zeal. I had a lot of passion, but it was completely misplaced. And it, in the end, actually displeased my wife more than it pleased her. So we do the same thing often with God. We have zeal, we have passion, but is it focused? Is its object God? Do we worship this righteous, magnificent, almighty God. 
In John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. It's not just spirit. It's not just your passion. It's not just your zeal. It's truth. Okay? You don't want to misplace that. Get your object right. Focus on God and worship Him. So the first thing a closed Bible will result in is falseness. Right? The second thing a closed Bible will result in is faith issues. Faith issues. We spoke about this this morning in Sunday school, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. But essentially the idea commonly is that faith is blind. It's not based on knowledge. And that faith and knowledge work to opposite ends. That's the essential idea. Like faith and knowledge, I need to have, it needs to be blind. I need to not have um, something to believe in. It needs to be devoid of knowledge to a large extent. And so this couldn't be further from the truth. We looked at Romans 10 verse 17. That says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, how will you increase in your faith if your Bible is closed? Unless you say scripture is wrong. (laughs) Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible is filled with unsearchable riches. If you can keep digging in it, in this treasure, and constantly be amazed, how can faith not grow accordingly? How can faith not grow if the Word of God is, is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, it has got the wisdom of the world in it, all of that. And if you say, if you, don't, if you read it and you don't grow there, how is that possible? It can't be. So, let's definitely open our Bibles and let's not have that faith, that faith issue. Open to First John. Another faith issue. First John chapter 1. Chapter 5, sorry. First John chapter 5. The first faith issue here is no victory. A victoriousless Christian life. That, I think that's a word. Victoriousless. No vic- I don't know. A life with no victory. Okay, First John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, For whosoever, or for whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That's why I say, faith issues. No victory. Right? So the first thing that's going to happen if your Bible is closed, you won't read this verse, you won't be reminded of this verse, all these truths in Scripture about victory. So if you don't read it, you don't have it, you don't understand it, you don't meditate on it, you don't understand the victory that has been given you in Christ. And so it'll lead to faith issue here, and that is that you won't understand the victory you have in Christ. The second thing, have a look at Ephesians chapter 5, another faith, faith issue that will result from a closed Bible. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. You won't be sanctified. You won't live a life that is being sanctified 
Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, what did Christ give his life for? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. Washing of water by the word. The word is what sanctifies. The word is what washes through you. It is what rinses you from that evil thoughts that you have and it renews your mind. If your Bible is closed, how does your mind get renewed? It's this word that sanctifies. So how can we expect to become more like Christ if the very thing that makes us more like Christ is closed? We can't. So don't be shocked when faith issues like no victory over sin or lack of sanctification comes because you've decided to close your Bible. And lastly, a closed Bible will lead to fundamental flaws. Have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. So firstly, it will lead to falseness, false conviction, false conversion. And then, and false worship. And then now, we looked at it, it will lead to faith issues. And lastly, it will lead to fundamental flaws. There is this idea in Christianity that theology and good doctrine is only important to preachers and teachers. Or, that's in some circles, it's, it's not important at all. Like the Bible is, is old school. The Bible has no relevance. Right? We hear that. It's a fundamental flaw. Firstly, if you say that, that, that Christianity and uh, that good theology and good doctrine is only important for preachers and teachers, well, firstly, if that's your conviction, I assume that you're admitting, admitting to not taking part in the ministry of reconciliation and the Great Commission which Christ gave to all believers. Because if you say it's only for teachers and preachers and ministers of the Word, then what are you calling yourself? Because aren't we all given the ministry of reconciliation? Aren't we all given the Great Commission? Right? And part of that is teaching, not just preaching the Gospel, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. That's what Jesus says there in the Great Commission. And secondly, this idea is the reason that many people have a bad taste for Christianity. This idea that Christians think that good theology, good doctrine is only important for people who are in the ministry. If that is what you think, you are part of the cause of why so many people have a bad taste for Christianity. Because it's becoming more and more important for us as Christians to understand Scripture. To know why you believe what you believe and be absolutely persuaded of that. And also, to answer the ever-increasing opposition to Christianity. There is an ever-increasing opposition to Christianity because the quality of Christianity is ever-decreasing. And that is the reality we, st- we face. If we who believe the Bible are not capable of showing or pointing out a lost soul in the direction of answers, how are people going to come to a knowledge of the truth? Right? If a skeptic seeks truth and you are the Christian he comes in contact with, will he find it? Right? If a skeptic seeks truth and he comes across your way, will he find truth? Now we know as much as it's God's work to ultimately save people, we 
have such an important role to play in it. Paul speaks about us sowing and us watering, but God giving the increase, right? We have a role to play. In Romans 10, Paul says, how will they hear without a preacher? Right? They need to hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but how are they going to hear without a preacher? So we have a role to play. God will give the salvation, but we need to sow seed and we need to water it. If we don't, we will stand ashamed. You're open in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. It says, study. Study. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't study the Bible, if your Bible is closed, you will stand ashamed. Because someone, some way, will come to you. If you're trying to live a life, someone might come across your path or you'll have an opportunity to share truth on the gospel with them and you won't for fear that this is an intellectual person, right? Or someone will ask you a question, you have an opportunity, not necessarily for them to get saved, but just to point them in the direction of truth. And if you can't, you'll stand ashamed. And so we need to study. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. I'm sure that the decrease in spiritual understanding of the average Christian, okay, stick with me, the percentage decrease in the scriptural understanding of the average Christian over the last hundred years is directly related to the reduction in souls being saved. Think of the awakenings. Think of the, the amount, just amount of people who were Christians and how it's becoming less and less and less of a thing. Why is that happening? Well, we see a decline in scriptural knowledge amongst Christians. Why can't we attribute that same decline to the, to the amount of people being saved? I want to remind you that for many people, the turn towards God and the Bible doesn't start with the gospel. The gospel saves them. But the turn towards God, away from sin, away from atheism, away from whatever they're holding on to, doesn't necessarily start with the gospel. It starts with finding some objective, definitive, authentic truth. Something that's not found in this world. Right? It starts with finding some truth, something that's authentic, something that's real. Something that doesn't just fade away. That's where it starts. And so people start asking questions. It challenges their worldview. And this gets them sink, sinking. This gets them seeking. But if you can't give them that truth, they might never seek. And if they never seek, they might never find the gospel. You have to get them seeking. You have to be able to answer the questions. So you have to or at least point them in the direction of where they can find answers. But you won't be able to do that if your Bible is closed. You need to study to show yourself approved. At this point, I want to speak to you about discipleship. Discipleship. Now, if you've been with us through Thessalonians, it is a main theme of Thessalonians. It is to disciple people, to be a disciple, to be an example for people to follow, but also to be there to disciple those people. To have those people have someone to look up to, someone to follow, to have an example. Discipleship. And I'd like, you to, I'd like to remind you or introduce you again to our discipleship program and material we have in this church. We have 
a book written by Pastor Mike about discipleship, dealing with the key things about discipleship, about the fundamentals of the faith. The idea of this program is to equip every believer with the fundamentals of the faith, the, fun, the foundation to your building of your Christian life. Without this, the rest of your Christian life might never find stability or might never be able to point another soul into the, in the direction of truth. You need a foundation, right? And this discipleship program, that's what it aims to do. In this program, this discipleship program, we address subjects like how to study your Bible, how to be sure of your salvation, how to have victory over sin, what happens to Christians and lost people after they die, what will the second coming of Jesus be like, how to share your faith with others, what does the Bible teach about prayer, baptism, giving. All those things are addressed in this this book and this program. So I really want to encourage every one of you to sign up for the discipleship program if you are not already a part of it. You can sign up to be discipled or you can sign up to be a disciple, someone who is discipling someone else. Both of those are biblical commands. Both of those are things you need to do. You need to be discipled and you need to disciple. So please take or make use of this opportunity. This is the template we find in Scripture. Believing, believers helping other believers to get established in the truth. And we at Bible Baptist Church would like to continue that. Remember I said we focus on the Bible. We believe it's foundational to everything. So in a moment I will give you an opportunity um, to sign up. And we're going to pray and I want to ask you to come write your name down on, on the sheet. I think, Sean, you have it there. So the one sheet is for if you want to be discipled. The other sheet is for if you want to be discipled. And if you want to be a disciple. All right. Please come write your name on here. If, you want, if you're already discipling someone and you have a boatload of time, come write your name up again and disciple someone else. So um, I really want to encourage you to do that. But I want to close with these two scriptures because this is essentially what's standing before you now. In Zechariah 7 verse 11 it says, But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts hath sent. In, uh, that he has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came great wrath from the Lord of hosts. So it says that they made their hearts as an adamant stone lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts. Don't be that person. Don't harden your heart. Learn. Come to a knowledge of the truth. Open your Bible and learn. And in Matthew 22, verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err. You make a mistake. You're in error because... You know not the Scriptures. You do err. So come and know the Scripture. Learn from the Bible and sign up for discipleship. I want to encourage you to do that. All right, let us all stand. I'm going to pray for us. But I want to ask you, please, take the time. Just come write your name down. 
It's important that you be discipled. Father God, we, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for all the wisdom that is in your word. Lord, thank you that through the guidance of your word, there is wisdom, there is stability, there is truth, there is comfort, there is instruction. Lord, we, we praise you so much for, Lord, for not leaving us without a guide. Lord, thank you for sending your spirit, for quickening us, that we can open your word, and Lord, that it becomes alive to us, that through your spirit we can understand and interpret scripture, and that it's such a, such a privilege, Lord, to be able to hear from you, to know you better, to grow in the knowledge of the truth. Lord, help us that we won't serve you falsely. Help us that we'll worship you in truth, Lord. Please come help us. And Lord, I want to ask that you would please be with each and every one here, Lord. There may be some here that are not saved. Lord, please them. Bring them to your cross. So that they may know you. Lord, and those that haven't been discipled and are falling around and have no stability in life, every wind of doctrine catches them off guard. Lord, please bring them to be discipled. And Lord, those seeking a way to, to serve you, Lord, may they write their name to, to help someone else be established in the truth. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for this opportunity. Please be with us in the rest of this day. May we thank you in all that we do. And may we glorify you and keep you at the center of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.